you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast would be a good fit for Chip Kelly's offense. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal alongside a couple of heroes, Mark Sessler, and Chris Wesseling. Hey, Greg. Yeah, see, <laughs> I get no respect. What a pause between that. Yes, of course, if you'll notice, our fearless host, Dan Hansis, not here today. Happy birthday to Dan Hansis. He gave himself a big birthday present, and that was staying away from us. <laughs> Who can blame him? Listen, I got to tell you what, it's been hot in this studio. <laughs> Came up here about 10 minutes ago while TD was fiddling around to the controls behind the glass. And the heat between Rosenthal and Wes is uncomfortable. Well, hold on here. You're distancing yourself from this. Yes, I yeah. am. Well, it really started as Mark and Wes arguing about a Josh McCown versus Zach Mettenberger. Who would you rather have? And then it, it really kick-started a week-long argument that really has threatened to tear apart the Around the NFL group about Zach Mettenberger between Chris Wesley and myself, which we're really going to dive into a little more later in this show. You're excited. Yeah, I'm sure listeners are just hanging on, <laughs> waiting for the extra Zach Mettenberger analysis. But well, it's late April. Well, it shows, you know, this heat, the scientist heat, or any arguments between us is, you know, not really just manufactured. We're, we're talking about it whether we're on the podcast or not. I guarantee right now, Dan is, when he's listening to this, he's like, not enough birthday talk about Dan. We've got <laughs> to talk more about big, that aspect. Big 3-5 for Dan. Oh, really? That's a big one, I yeah. guess. I don't Benchmark. Know. At this point, does it really matter? He can officially run for U.S. president. Well, we will call Dan Hansis a little bit later, see if he's there. He doesn't know we're going to do this, so he might not answer. We'll see what happens. You uh, might get your Dan Hanses. Yeah, we got a big show. I mean, we got that. We are going to talk about uh, a little series we're doing, redrafting and ranking the class of 2014 draft at different positions. Okay, you know, if you get all the draft nicks out there, they're studying all the college tape. What about the guys that are actually in the league? Let's revisit them a year later. Get our, you know, studying on. West did a huge Great piece on the wide receivers, one of the best classes of all time, maybe the best. Uh, I am putting out one on the quarterbacks, and Mark has the tight end, so we'll talk about that a little later. Mine's the clickbait. (laughs) (laughs) Tight ends. Hey, Jason Morrow is a person, too. And uh, we also have Daniel Jeremiah on the show with the NFL Draft only a week away. We're going to talk to DJ. Dan was here. We pre-taped that on Wednesday. And uh, we're going to talk a little draft, get some knowledge from uh, Dan and Jeremiah. He ha- he has another pod. He does something else here, right? 
Podcast? Yeah, it's another podcast he does. Move the Stakes podcast. Check yep. it out if you're into the draft talk. Don't I stayed it. out of that segment, and I'm not on it because DJ, you know, he on Twitter got to me. He said, a little uncomfortable to have to go up with the tape watching that you've been doing on some of the defensive tackle prospects in line. I said, I'll sit out. This will be your thing. Well, wow. you, well, you have to listen. There was some awkward moments between him and Dan Hansis. <laughs> that I don't doubt. It was a, a very bubbly DJ on this episode. Yeah, he was excited to be here other than, you know, they've, they've had the heat between Dan and, uh, you know, there's heat between Wes and I, but of course there's a lot of love. I felt bad really for you last night when you almost lost your 4,000-word <laughs> opus to uh, the vagaries of your computer. You said you were you were literally going to cry <laughs> in the newsroom by yourself at 8 o'clock at night until was, an IT guy saved you. I was five minutes away from rolling into the fetal position and sucking my thumb. <laughs> And just calling it quits on every, on life. I mean, it was just... What, did it just disappear into a... He thought he lost the whole I thing. I hit a button called Save Draft <laughs> and 4,000 words up and disappeared. That is a horror movie for a writer, basically. Just it, I mean, hopeless, it was... Hopeless. Especially if you look uh, at this thing. A week and a half of film watching, research, note taking, and then crafting the words I went the way I want them, all out the window. How are you here right now? Like I will still be, I will still be. No, mad. I, no he got IT back. Recaptured it after like a couple of hours. Like they were like, "Oh, you just have to email WordPress and figure it out because we can't figure anything out." TD, it's called different levels of work ethic. That's why he's here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he wasn't messing around. He went and watched his his San Antonio Spurs. Wes is a my sne- beloved San Antonio, a sneaky Spurs. big Spurs fan, and then you know finished the column after that. So we'll get to all that later. But uh, good game last night, by the way. It was until the Spurs started with that hack crap. Yeah. How about this? A little basketball talk. Mark and I are clueless. I'm trying to follow. I'm following. We all like the NBA. Greg's into it. I'm, I like it. I'm following it. All right, let's do a little news. I told him to keep his shirt on. Uh, that is uh, Barry Obama, if you missed it, uh, <laughs> at the White House. I love Barack Obama. I'm gonna. I miss told him it. to keep his shirt on. <laughs> Talking uh, about Gronk. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss it. You know, you can. I don't care what politics you have or whatever. You gotta like the zingers that Obama always comes up with. For the so you White don't House really thing. like him as much as his comedy writers. Well, I love. I did say he's got a great comedy writers. I mean, his best line today was that you know he was he usually makes a lot of jokes. Um, but, you know, he was worried today with the Patriots in town that 11 of 12 could fall flat. I mean, that, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, the newsroom generally found that to be a funny joke. It, you know, he, he took on Belichick. So you're saying stuff. his delivery is good? He's he's good at delivery, absolutely. And I give him a high rank. Whatever. I mean, he's will, he follows sports. Who cares? It was fun. Uh, we're not really going to talk about the White House, though. We'll talk about some real news. And, and it dropped yesterday that Greg Hardy, now of the Dallas Cowboys, 10-game suspension for violating uh, the league's conduct policy and really various offenses, uh, the, uh, the new personal conduct policy that includes domestic violence, a bigger suspension than a lot of people expected. Do you think the Cowboys would have still made this signing if they knew he was going to be suspended 10 games? I, that's a good question because his salary makes a lot more sense now that he's been suspended 10 games. Because he was getting, you know, it was billed as thirteen million over sixteen games, so now it seems more in line with, you know, the fact that he's going to miss most of the season. I mean, the contract now looks like you said real smart, and I normally would say at this point, you know what? There's still a ton of football to go with six games left, and I think this can work out, and it can. Except you are talking about a guy that at this point would not have played for what twenty five 
straight regular season games. Well, he did play that one week one game, which was so weird last year. Remember? That's where I came to 25, 15 plus good, 10. Good oh, that's you. right. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. There you go, scientist. <laughs> well, not a mathematician. You need an abacus. It is. I think that the contract, I guess, was smart because it was per game, but they still, as Ian Rappaport, our NFL Media Insider, reported, you know, they were thinking it was going to be anywhere from two to four to six. So this is a big surprise to them, and they don't have um, you know, pass rushers on that team. I also wasn't surprised on a, in a certain you know, vantage point because this is the post-Ray Rice world. It's a different world in the NFL, and Greg Hardy is kind of the foremost example of that. So for them to come down uh, very hard on him isn't totally shocking. Well, there's two sides to every story, but if what he is alleged to have done is true, I have no problem with this. Oh, of course. Yeah, I think most don't. And, like, the league, one thing is, no matter what they do, you take a hard stance like this, they're going to get attacked on Twitter for whatever this was, and they get attacked if they take too weak a stance. And I think that they've, for all the attacking the NFL gets and all the heat, I think they kind of stuck to their guns here with this one. No bad pun intended there. Uh, the only the only problem with Greg Hardy getting 10 games is that it wouldn't surprise me if it gets reduced because he missed last year and he was paid. It was not a suspension, but the NFL, they know it more than anyone else. Are They're in a bad streak right now with these appeals. Yeah, they've gotten some things overturned. You know, Ray Rice was, a, was an issue. Adrian yeah. Peterson's happened in court. So this isn't really the end of this story. Let's move on to the field where the Miami Dolphins – uh, continued their offseason spending by going after Greg Jennings, signing the wide receiver, ultimately to play, replace Brian Hartline, I guess, kind of for that, that spot in the lineup. Slight upgrade. I think Greg Jennings has spent most of the last two years in the slot, but that's Jarvis Landry's position in Miami. So I, I'm guessing he's playing the Z or, or the X there. But, yeah, he, I think he's an upgrade on Hartline. How much money did he get? Was it two eight for eight? Two hmm. years, eight million, which probably means – the only year guaranteed is the first year, and it's you know probably three and a half or four. Similar money to your boy Hartline. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think that Hartline's going to change events in Cleveland, and I don't think Greg Jennings is going to completely change Miami's. But for late April and what was left, not a bad signing for the Dolphins. They yeah. needed a veteran help. They got all young guys. Yeah, Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Matthews, now Greg Jennings. I don't think this precludes them from drafting a early round wide receiver no way. by any stretch. He'll play for them though. Yes. You know when I watched him when I watched the Teddy Bridgewater uh tape lately, he didn't look like he was done by any means. No, I think he, he had some plays after the catch. He, he just looked like he was missing a little bit and he, he had a hard time getting on the same page with Teddy Bridgewater really more than the other receivers there. Yeah, he was outplayed by Charles Johnson, but I I, I agree. I think Craig Jennings still has a little bit left in the tank. Marvin Lewis has got another year left in the tank in the bank account, too. Another one-year extension. He hasn't won a playoff game his entire run in Cincinnati, but he gets another contract extension. This is through 2016. Connor Orr wrote a good piece on the five untouchable coaches in the NFL right now that haven't necessarily had recent playoff success, but it just seems like they're almost untouchable. They're going to keep their jobs if they just keep their current level and Marvin Lewis is one of those guys. If you were a Bengals fan, Mark Sessler, would you be happy about this move? Well, if I were a Bengal, if I were still a Bengals fan at this point, I would be very frustrated with Marvin Lewis. I'd be very frustrated with his decisions at quarterback, and basically it boils back down to Wes's boy, Mike Brown, who, why is Marvin Lewis untouchable? Because apparently 
the Brown family does not feel they need to upgrade this situation. I mean, I don't know what you're going to get, what you get with Marvin Lewis. Well, this is a situation where unless you are from Cincinnati and are very familiar with how this this franchise runs, they're a mom-and-pop operation. They don't run their franchise like the other 31 teams. And they have they have the most secretive front office formula of any franchise in the league. And what's happened is Mike Brown has ceded control to a conglomerate of Marvin Lewis. Sounds evil. Duke Tobin and Katie Blackburn Brown and, and several other several other members of the Brown family. So Marvin Lewis has a lot of job security by being part of the personnel now. Like he's in he's in the personnel department, and his coaches are also have a big say in who they draft. So I think that's a big part of it. And if you I mean, for perspective on, on why Marvin Lewis has been so successful, 196-2 and two is his record. And since Mike Brown took over for Paul Brown in 1991, all other Bengals coaches, I believe, are 55-146, and 146, which is a 240 winning percentage. So Marvin Lewis has succeeded in an operation where every other coach has failed tremendously. From another angle, they, he could argue we've been, to, we've been to the playoffs four straight years. Whether or not you like Andy Dalton or you like Marvin Lewis – we're there. We've got a right. talented roster. It's not an absolute train wreck, but it's just not – there's nothing inspiring happening in Cincinnati. Well, the other guys on Connor's list, Jeff Fisher, when was the last time he made the playoffs? When's the last time he didn't go 7-9? and nine? Tom, this year, Last year at 6-10, oh. and 10, even worse. Uh, Tom Coughlin's on that list. He's made the playoffs once in the last six years. Yeah, he's won two he, Super Bowls. But I know, I, mean, I know, but I'm just saying he's under 500 over the last four years overall. He's made the playoffs once in six years. Brad Childress has made the playoffs as often as Tom Coughlin <laughs> in the last six years. Wade Phillips has made the playoffs as often. Todd Haley has made the playoffs as often. I'm trying to think of some other coaches. I don't know. Did Eric Studesville make the playoffs for the Denver Broncos? Probably <laughs> not. But, you know, at least Marvin Lewis, to get to the playoffs with the Bengals is an accomplishment. I it, think Marvin Lewis would be hired if he lost that Bengals job by another team quickly. I don't think he'd be hired as a head coach. Really? I think he'd be hired as a defensive but coordinator. I think he may be hired really? as a head coach, depending on what gaps were out there. And, you know, when John Fox got hired coming off a disastrous season. Wouldn't but I don't, think, I don't think Marvin Lewis is quite as respected as John Fox. I, I disagree. I think the way – I think you'd get a lot of points for winning in Cincinnati. And look at the coaches he's hired. You know, Hugh Jackson, he has good contacts. Uh, Jay Gruden gets hired elsewhere. Mike Zimmer gets hired elsewhere. I mean, that's a big part of your job as an executive. They've done very well drafting. Yeah. I, I think he probably gets some of the credit for that. They're uh, winning with Andy Dalton, which is tough. Now to we're do. starting to like the re-signing. This is looking well, good. I, never, I don't mind it. I agree. I think that one of his most valuable traits is that he brings in great assistance. So you worry about how great of a coach he is or whether mm. it's the assistants doing the work. But he does deserve credit for some of the personnel moves for how good the roster has been lately. I just don't know that his actual coaching and game management, uh, to me, it's among the worst in the NFL. In big spots. Yes. He's terrible at challenges. He's terrible at making decisions during the game. I agree with that. Uh, and he doesn't have his team ready to play in mm-hmm. in the in big games. One of the guys yeah. that's uh, usually ready to play in big games, but uh, his last play was discouraging. Definitely not a good decision. Russell Wilson uh, has been talked in the news a lot because of his contract. He was on NFL Network this week, and he's really pushing this baseball story. And we'll be quick on this, but it, it's really interesting. He talked with Dan Helley on Total Access, and he keeps insisting that his interest in baseball – is not a pl- ploy, and that if anyone could pull off baseball and football at the same time, being a quarterback, it would be him. What do you got? <laughs> what is this? He needs a reality check. 
let's let's compare him to another two-sport wannabe athlete. Russell Wilson at 22, 21 and 22 years old, straight out of college, has been playing baseball the whole time. No layoff. Hits 229 with a walk walk strikeout ratio of 51 to 118. Terrible numbers. Oof. In A ball, which is supposed to be easy. <laughs> Michael Jordan, 15 years from playing baseball, hits 202 with the same exact walk strikeout ratio in double A ball, which is a lot harder, and he hadn't played in 15 years. Russell Wilson needs a wake-up call. I think if you're if you're at his age, your early 20s, and you're hailed around the NFL as having completely cut against the grain of the prototypical NFL quarterback, largely because of who you are, how hard you work, how respected you are. You've been to two straight Super Bowls. You've turned, you've created hundreds and thousands of jobs in Seattle. You probably believe you can do anything. He really sounds like it. You can see that to be a great athlete, you have to have a certain uh, bit of Irrational confidence? Exactly. Nai- I don't know if it's being naive. It's just wild belief. It's like it's like TD's belief in his own basketball game or, what, <laughs> or in his producing skills. It's just wild overconfidence. How did I get into this? Well, it's founded on the well, producing front. It's just Russell excellence. Wilson. I, you know, I felt like you need to be involved. What is up with all this baseball? Like, it's, it's a little well, ridiculous. It is kind of strange. Baseball is the hardest sport, sport to play. You just can't wake up and be like, oh, just because I played it in college for a little while. There's a reason you have to master each level of the minors right. before you get oh. to the major. I, I love it whenever they ask the Rangers general manager about it because all of his quotes, if you translate them down to their essence, are like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> like it's just like, oh, Russell's really competitive. We we like him a lot. We think he's got a good thing going in football. Like he's like, are you kidding me? Why would he quit? Well, being- maybe they're getting a cut of his new contract. I think it's all <laughs> brinksmanship, is what this is. <laughs> all right, that is uh, that is the news for today on this beautiful Hans's 35th birthday, which gets me thinking. Why why don't we call him? Let's not save. Let's not save that call part of the show. Let's just see. Okay. Let's see if see what the old Zeuser's up to on his birthday. <laughs> All right, uh, TD. Let's get him on the horn. Hi, you've reached Dan. Sorry, I can't get to the phone right now, but leave a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Yeah, you will. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hey, Dan, Mark Sessler here, uh, your uh, cohort here at NFL Media. Just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Also, on a side note, couldn't get you on the phone here for the podcast. Could you just call me back and give me your true thoughts on, A, Chris Wessling, how do you feel that he is as a colleague, and B, as a boss, Greg Rosenthal, rate him A through F. What kind of, what kind of birthday <laughs> message is that? I don't know. It happy seems- birthday, Dan. I thought we were going to sing or something. All right, we'll see you. Oh, that's it. I guess that didn't work out. Well, I want to get information. <laughs> I was expecting you to go off on some, you know, made-up story or tangent of that there was a fire at NFL Media and he had to come save it. And... I want information from him on the most honest day, the day he was born. <laughs> I'm sure he'll call me back. <laughs> Dan celebrating tonight. Also, you know, your lovely wife, Simone. It's her birthday as well. It is a little eerie. They were born not only on the same month and day, but the same year within hours of each other. Mm. Not like, in the same place. Could they be related? I don't know. That's the thing. There's, it's a mystery that has you know, other limbs. We don't know. Have you ever thought that dating Simone is really the closest you could do to indirectly dating your friend Dan Hansis? No, I haven't, Craig, but now <laughs> I am thinking that. <laughs> that and is peculiar. Thank you, Wes. That's how I frame it. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, move on to uh, our talk about the 2014 crop. And, Wes, I talked about it. You got your piece up right now on the best 
wide receivers from the class. And uh, it's a fascinating piece. Everyone should check it out. You know, take your time with it. Nice and long. You know, print it out maybe if you still are into paper and whatnot. And you make the case that you think there could be 10 number one receivers in this one class. Well, I think there are that many guys with potential. You, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Kelvin Benjamin already are. Sammy Watkins, I think he is. So there's four right off the bat. John Brown, who's been compared to Marvin Harrison, blew me away when I watched mm. his film. He, he might have been the guy that I was more impressed than I expected to be. Uh, you've got guys like these raw guys with number one receiver talent, but they, they still need to work on their route running and reading defenses like Martavis Bryant, Cody Latimer, Dante Moncrief. You've got Jordan Matthews. So you think Dante Moncrief could be a potential number one receiver with Andrew Luck? I do, and and I believe – Making the leap kick. They love him too. I believe you called him that at one point last year, that when you watched him, you saw a number one receiver. He, he is really, physically. really talented. I was surprised to hear you say that. And Jordan Matthews too. So you think he, he could be more than just the slot guy? Well, he played the slot more than any receiver in the NFL last year percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. But it seems like from their offseason moves that they're going to move him outside this year. And if he's in that number one role for the Eagles, his production is going to go through the roof. Just look what Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin have done. So I think that's that's about ten guys right there. Brandon Cooks, who knows what he's going to be. Has anyone – I mean, obviously the potential for this class is maybe the best wide receiver group ever because also the position is just so much more refined than it used to be as well. Anyone on this list disappointed you with mm. what they, where they were drafted and where they are? You know what? There really wasn't a lot of disappointment. I would say that Marquise Lee, you need to watch all of his games because the first half of the season was just a massive failure. He dropped passes, didn't know his assignments, didn't make plays. And then right around week 13, he starts to show that explosive run after catch ability that he was billed to have when he was seen as his sophomore year in college, the number one receiver in the country. So he's a guy that you kind of have to watch all of his film, and you can see his, his upside a little bit there. Jarvis Landry... I think with him, like, I was really impressed during the season with his run-after-catch ability. But, again, limited to the slot, he's never going to be anything but a slot receiver. And so many of his passes were manufactured by the play caller, not the quarterback. It was quick tosses within four or five yards of the line of scrimmage, a lot of in-motion behind the quarterback, a lot of creativity there. And I don't, I don't know how much of that is his mm. his natural ability and how much is that just the, the play caller making him. Well, it's you call him a destitute man's Heinz Ward. Well, he does have that physicality to him, and he's I'm amazed he's you, on the slow side. I'm amazed you ranked him below Marquise Lee and Allen Robinson. I like yeah, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's a playmaker. I, I think he's a little on the slow th- slow side for a deep threat, but if you watch his kind of catch radius and, and his ability to high point, his body control, it's more impressive than Sammy Watkins. Bortles has a chance in this offense to get a lot better in this second year with Robinson, Lee, and Alan Hearns, who sneaked on uh, the end of the list. Unfortunately, you compared him to Kevin Ogletree. <laughs> it's not really like the most, you know, flattering comparison well, ever. It, it was hard to come up with an Alan Hearns comparison. He's on the thin side. Uh, he's not physical. He's not a great athlete. He doesn't jump well. How do you – NFL receivers normally do all those things. So – and he also had – there was a fluky nature to his big plays mm. where it was a lot of blown coverage and a lot of missed tackles, and I don't know if it's repeatable. It's crazy how deep this class is because at the end of your article, and people should read it right to the last line, you even give nuggets about guys like Bruce Ellington, Taylor Gabriel, Paul Richardson, and 
even they have potential. I mean, Taylor Gabriel for Cleveland Albert wasn't Wilson. terrible last last season. Gabriel was second on the Browns in receiving right. yards, and you know, Josh Huff, who the there are some people in the Eagles organization think he has a higher upside than Jordan Matthews. So you're right. A lot. Of, I mean, we can go 25 deep in names. Well, but it's hard. It's hard to evaluate guys like Michael Campanaro, who only <laughs> you know played 100 <laughs> snaps for the Ravens. Right. No, let's talk about the guys closer to the top. I mean, you had Odell Beckham all by himself. The number one. Number overall, one. Over, I over, think it's it's silly to have anyone else as a number one overall pick in that draft. If you if you were redrafting, and your comparison for him, I liked a lot. A, a souped up Steve Smith slash Antonio Brown hybrid with flashes of Michael Jordan. Whoa. I mean, that's it. We, we've kind of been through your love of Odell Beckham. I found it interesting you ranked Mike Evans over Sammy Watkins. You didn't put numbers next to it. I see what you do, trying to put them in tiers, and you put it in the tiers, uh, obviously, of great players, future pro bowlers. But ultimately, you put Evans' name first, Watkins next, and Kelvin Benjamin third of that group. How did well, you yeah, decide? I mean, that's a cagey move. I'm a savvy veteran. I know that if I put numbers, that that's all I'm going to hear about on Twitter. Well, fine. It's about the numbers and not the analysis. Hey, how about be a man and take a stand? Ultimately, you have a, the, the name on top there, Mike Evans. Why do you like him better than the other two? Well, Evans and Watkins were extremely close, and I went back and forth. I copied and pasted one over the other about <laughs> ten different times. Mike Evans makes plays at the catch point. He makes contested catches, and Sammy, Sammy Watkins really didn't, and that's – Sammy Watkins is a lot. He's a lot more explosive, but he didn't help out his quarterbacks, and his quarterbacks didn't help out him. Mike Evans definitely helped out his quarterbacks. Watkins, it's well, almost because he was playing with such a bum, Josh McCown. Josh McCown got the ball to Mike Evans. <laughs> Kyle Orton could not get the ball to Sammy Watkins. His ball placement was horrendous. It, it surprised me how bad Orton was. Watkins also was playing injured all year. He's hard to evaluate because of the poor quarterback play, and he played through groin, rib, and hip injuries. So I, he's really hard to evaluate. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he has a better career than Mike Evans. I mean, how much when you're watching one year of tape, I, I did the tight ends, and I had to factor in the quarterback play as well because with some of these quarterbacks, that like Sammy Watkins, you are dealing with a total issue there, and frankly, honestly, the same with Mike Evans. What Evans did with going back and forth between two quarterbacks last season, he was spectacular down the stretch. Well, I would say that another factor that's very important and why I had Watkins over Evans a couple of times before I changed it, Watkins was doing this against number one corners and double teams. That's big. That's big. Evans was doing it against mismatches in number two corners. When they play the Browns, Evans is getting Buster Screen, not Joe Hayden. And some of those Evans plays were a little fluky, too. Yeah. Sometimes and, it was bad. Andy got away with a lot of push-offs. I but he's a more dynamic athlete than you think. Hmm. Kelvin yeah. Benjamin, I ranked below those two guys because, one, too, way too many drops. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that he makes the hard plays look easy and the easy plays look hard. He's also one of those guys, even when he's not open, he's open four feet over his head. Hmm. And that's perfect for Cam Newton because when he's wild, he's wild high. He's the perfect receiver for Cam Newton. Um, and, and, again, did it against number one corners. Did it against Rich, Richard That's Sherman. That's the most impressive Keenan thing. Keenan Lewis, Desmond Trufant, mm. Jimmy Smith. They trailed him around the field. I, I love Kelvin Benjamin. I don't know if I would rank him second on this list, but just my personal which one I like, I like Kelvin Benjamin. I think he has a chance to be better than, than those two guys. There's another factor. Kelvin Benjamin's almost three years older than Mike Evans. That That is wow. significant. He's such a weird, interesting receiver because he's a deep threat that's not really that fast, right? which is interesting. And he's just a 
He's just a big guy. He You're picks right. up speed when he's tracking the ball, though, which is important for for a big guy like that. He can be covered, and he he's a natural receiver, though. I mean, he he is a really natural receiver. I think more than Evans. You called Evans a stretch forward and cleats. It, I can see the upside for Evans, but there's something about Benjamin. The drops were a problem, but it seemed like he maybe isn't all there. Um, mentally right now. Is that fair? I don't know. He has a lot to pick up at the NFL level, but that can happen. I mean, yeah, think I of a guy like T.O. when he was entering the league and stuff. I, I could see that guy, once he starts figuring things out, that he could be There's another fair. difference, too, that Evans has an advantage, I think a major advantage in run-after-catch ability. Mm-hmm. They both can high point. They both can win contested catches. Benjamin's a, probably a little bit more physical just because he's got that wide body. But Evans is a Evans can be a beast after the catch at times, and Benjamin really needs space to operate. It's crazy to think that the way this goes, they should all be better this season. Yeah. Now injuries will play a part, but then I look at a guy like John Brown because of what happened with the quarterback chaos at, during that season. Number when five you, on your list, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and I and that's one guy that we spent all last summer where Steve Keim and the Cardinals were just showering praise, and I thought, you know, we're going to get fried for these articles. We're writing one after the <laughs> other saying how he can't be touched in practice. But he paid off. I thought in games right away he was a difference maker. He was. I was so impressed with him watching. And, and I wrote a lot of flowery articles, as did you, but I also wrote a lot of flowery articles about Brandon Cooks. And after watching both of their – all of their targets, I was way more impressed with John Brown than Brandon Cooks. Mm. So you draft Brown. Where would you draft Brown, let's say, in a random, just nebulous draft? Like a, I what think is he early in? 20s. Okay. That's pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good for a guy you got in the yeah. mid-third. And I think the Cardinals would, too, if they had to do it again. He's a guy where the difference between him and Cooks was right away, and this is part of why Bruce Arians is such a great coach, has him lining up all over the formation. He's doing the usual – you know, the jitterbug routes where you give him slants and crossers and end arounds and real quick swing passes. He's doing all that stuff, but he's also running sideline routes mm-hmm. and he's burning guys deep. Sigmund Bloom had a great line. He goes and gets that deep ball like a frisbee catching dog. You throw <laughs> that you throw that deep ball and he'll run and go get it. I mean, he'll just go under it and he'll burn the guy and get it. The and Eagles didn't go to the playoffs because of that. Yeah. Ultimately, hmm. that was like one of the best plays of the season that he made against. And he did that, what, three or four times in the first month of the season. You know, it's funny. Like we so we talked to Larry Fitzgerald yesterday on the phone and he like, he, well, let's not say I, we. Well, no, I you mean, did. our we group didn't all did. Get, I did. didn't get on a group phone. TD wasn't there. You know, uh, TD, it was just you. You're TD the maybe listening in. But we talked. We asked about John Brown. You're and, the journo. And he basically said to John Brown, the thing that was most impressive was what you just said, how he picked up the offense and played all over the field. And I was thinking. Wait, that's the knock on Larry Fitzgerald last season, mm. that he had trouble doing that himself out of the gate in that offense. Yeah, it's impressive. that, And you heard Steve Kime, their GM, say that, that his his knowledge of the route concepts coming from tiny Pittsburgh State just blew them out of the water in the first meeting camp, that he already knew exactly where to go. He's a really bright guy. And interestingly enough, nicknamed Smokey. Mm. Why? <laughs> okay. Why? Well, I think people should probably Google it. Okay. All right, nothing. <laughs> I will. Very, nothing I will be. It's I not lo- because he smokes defensive backs. I or, love or uh, illegal elements. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love the comparisons more than anything. Uh, Mike Evans was Harold Carmichael Light. You know, you know, DJ will probably just throw in the uh, one name comparison to some current player. You're going all over, and you're just you're describing it. Mike Evans is Pierre Garcon, or Sammy Watkins is Pierre Garcon turned superhero. <laughs> totally, you know. I know what you mean when you say that. You say Kelvin Benjamin is the evolutionary Plaxico Burris. 
I wanted. I, I almost like put one. Plaxico Burris after Thanksgiving dinner, but I thought that was <laughs> not kind enough to Kelvin Ben. Jordan Matthews is mini Marcus Colston. Anyways, lots of great stuff. We, we, we'll skip the whole section of high upside projects with first-round talent. I love Martavis Bryant. So do you. You compared him to Chris Henry, which I thought was really interesting. Devontae Adams has a lot of potential. C- Cody Latimer was a little higher than I expected to be mm. on this list. Adams uh, was a guy that Dylan I was surprised Edwards. how much I liked him. He's mm. not a guy who explodes off the film. He's not fast. He's a really good route runner. He's got a great double move. You could, you could see the difference between him and a guy like Allen Robinson where they both are using double moves. Robinson's doesn't get him op- open, but Adams does. And I think he's going to be – the McCarthy's talking up their offense like it's going to be really dynamic, and I think Adams is one of the reasons why. that He's going to be facing third cornerbacks. I, I like him. That's a tough offense to pick up as a rookie. He he slipped in under the radar, finished the season, had a couple games. He really had two big games in the season that they wouldn't have won the game without yeah. Devontae Adams. For a rookie to just come in and do that is impressive in that system. They're scary. Everyone should read the site. Let's move on uh, to one of the other positions. Let's go over to quarterback here. And uh, my piece, which will be posting on Friday on the site, so it might not be quite up when you listen to this, uh, ranks the quarterbacks of the 2014 class. And, you know, I start by saying, ultimately, the draft process did Teddy Bridgewater dirty. Between the pro day and some private workouts and some whispers, he wasn't truly a leader. Skinny knees. Right. He somehow got knocked down to the end of the first round. What's a skinny knee? And I think they got the best quarterback in this draft, or at least the guy that I think is the safest and I know for sure is going to be there. And then after him, I think there's a group of four guys who all I think they all have a chance, but I don't really know. And I ranked them Blake Bortles number two, Zach Mettenberger all the way up to number three. I have him ahead of Derek Carr. And I threw Jimmy Garoppolo in that group because even though we didn't see a lot out of him, I liked what I saw, and I think he has a chance moving forward. Wes has taken me to task for this Mettenberger at three, so why don't we start there? <laughs> well, I think that it's fun for me that you're going to have Raiders fans uh, uh, you know, haranguing you. Oh, and yeah. I won't have to deal with them <laughs> because I would not have ranked Mettenberger over Derek Carr. I mean, I think Derek Carr, people are going wildly overboard about a mediocre rookie season. but Very mediocre. Yeah, very mediocre. You know, the yards per attempt, so the, the touchdown-to-interception ratio and the fact that he just – he wasn't David Carr. So that was good. And he wasn't Jamarcus Russell, and that was even better. And so I think everyone just wanted to give him a lot of credit. But he was the guy I watched more games than anyone. Uh, I'm counting him up here. Sick. I, I think I watched 11 games of his because I kept wanting to see more. What am I missing with Derek Carr? I didn't see anything special. I saw a lot more special out of Zach Mettenberger and Blake Bortles. I saw some tools there with Derek Carr. He's a fast guy. Well, I think that's why scouts like him because of the tools. But I didn't see it in the games. Yeah, I agree. I didn't see it in the games. I saw He doesn't go downfield. He he can move in the pocket a little bit. It, when he does go downfield, he was all over the place. I mean, guys were open and he missed them. And it's just dink and dunk. They did not look like a professional offense. They couldn't. Well, is that a little part of it, though, if, if you're the Raiders, that what they had going on with your play caller last year? No and running game. The, right. Your receivers are among the slowest him. in the NFL, so it's hard okay. to go deep. No. Well, I'm not one of these guys that wants to shower praise on, on, on Carr, although I, I think I like him more than you do. But part of it is just I want to see more patience in general with some of these quarterbacks yeah. before we flame a guy that's 21 years old or something. I think, they all, I think this group, and Garoppolo is kind of a weird guy to throw in there, but I think they all have a chance to be long-term starters. So I'm not burying hmm. Derek Carr. 
I just didn't see it yet. I think there's been a lot worse rookie seasons than than he's had. J.P. Lossman and Clawson and Gabbert. There's some guys that Alex Smith, Eli Manning, right? That start and you think they have no chance. And I wouldn't put Derek Carr in that category, but you look at what he did versus what Bortles showed. I could see the traits from Bortles. I mean, he looks like Cam Newton out there. He was more athletic than I than I thought. I mean, he. there was one play, J.J. J. Watt comes in untouched. He shakes J.J. J. Watt and makes him look like a clown, runs for 30 yards in a, you know, a two-minute drill. I, we can't forget what we saw in the preseason. Mark fell in love with Bortles last preseason. Oh, yeah. And you were high on him, too. Oh, yeah. And I just I can't get that image out of my mind how well he played before his mechanics just devolved during the season where he's throwing like a baseball pitcher. So, to me, he's the <laughs> hardest. He is. He's back foot's coming up, and he's winding up on his throws. He's losing velocity because of it. I mean, he so talked I think he's about hard to grade. Yeah, and he talked about wasn't it a post that went up yesterday that he that his what his arm just tired out at the end of the year. He was that's one of the challenges as a rookie quarterback. You go right. from playing a certain amount of games to an intense season long thing. If you're Blake Borders, that is not easy. They put a lot on his plate more than any other rookie. I thought he had the most working against him. Everyone wants to see Derek Carr. You stuck on the Raiders. That's true. He had the best protection of any of these quarterbacks by far. He had very good protection, I would say, overall. The Raiders had an o- above-average pass protection. The Jaguars were terrible. Yeah. They were terrible. He had no chance on a lot of plays. It's 17 nothing half the time before he does anything wrong. And I think Mettenberger had a very similar situation with a bad offensive line well, and a bad defense. Bortles also had nothing but rookie-wide receivers and no tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the receivers didn't even know where they were going, so that, he's got that problem. I mean, almost to a man, this group of quarterbacks played on talent-poor offenses yeah. with a which lo- is, teams that already have coaching turnover at the offense. what happens when you level. draft an early-round quarterback. <laughs> yeah. It's true, but Bor- Bortles, five or six plays a game, did something that 10 or 12 starters in the NFL can't do. You know, he would make someone miss. He could imp- he could improvise pretty well. He can throw a big deep out across the field. He was very aggressive. And the thing that impressed me, I thought he improved a lot in his decision-making. Even though the, you know, the mechanics kind of fell apart, maybe the arm, you know, he seemed more like a veteran quarterback by the end. That's why he's number two. Derek Carr was terrible in December. If all you had watched was December, he was no different than Jimmy Clausen. Bortles, I thought, got a little bit better as the season went along. Bridgewater was sensational in December. Until that point, they were all pretty close. But he closed the season with a better five-game stretch than any rookie had. 70% completion percentage and finished December as pro football focus as number one quarterback. Woo! You make a good point, though. Really? For o- that over one? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. See, see, that doesn't shock me. He looked like an above-average starter, and, and I like the fact he's almost he's not a flashy guy, but he's impressive to watch. Here's why this exercise makes sense, because if you want to go – get all caught up in, oh, look ahead to next week's rookies. Right at the top of the article, Greg points out that in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, 8 of 17 personnel folks polled by the newspaper had Johnny Manziel at the top of their list, and he's at the bottom of yours, and he should be. Yeah, and only two had Bridgewater. I believe only two had Bortles. Bortles, Yeah. And one actually had Mettenberger, which is kind of shocking too. So – Johnny Manziel was the consensus guy. He was Mayock's guy. I don't think he was DJ's guy, to his credit. DJ had Bridgewater, number one. But he was all the big guy's guy. And now, I mean, let's be honest. Where would Johnny Manziel be drafted if the draft was happening right now? If we knew what we knew right now? Yeah, if it was just starting over. Basically, what would a team give up for him in a a trade? If he's coming out of 
school right now versus... No, if he's coming out of rehab and you know how he looked as a rookie. I mean, unless you want to look at the one very abstract instance of a team trading for Brett Favre after he came out of... when He had all sorts of issues off the field, but that's a different player. I don't I, think he'd I net anything. I would say sixth-round draft pick. Yeah. Yeah, he could be part of another deal, potentially. Fifth or sixth round. Yeah. Pick. I mean, the the game he had against Cincinnati was the worst game any any of these rookies played, I thought. I was discouraged by that game because it just looked like he was too small. Yeah. Yes, he does not look the part on any level. I thought against the Bills, after he had the touchdown march, and then he got flattened yeah. on the next drive, you thought, this guy is not ready for prime time. The, there were two plays. It actually was in the Carolina game, which to me was – his welcome to the NFL moment. Third and long, he's trying to get to the edge, and Star Lil to Lele beats him there, and he doesn't get the first down. Yikes. And then I don't know if you remember the play he got injured and that ended his season. Mark was a was a designed run where Luke Keekley easily beat him to the edge, hit him, and he he got hurt, and that was it. It was like, you're not pulling off any of those cool Johnny football improv plays anymore. Yeah, I mean, one of the hardest things is to judge how an electric playmaker, you know, last year at this time we all thought that's what he was going to be in college. What's that going to be at the NFL level? I look at Mariota, I'm just as concerned about the offense he came from and what that means if you stick him into a pro-style offense. We don't know. Yeah, it's so it's so hard to project. I think the difference, you know, Manziel, it seemed like he didn't, know the playbook as well as he should if he didn't put in all well, the we know We know he did. <laughs> right. So I mean, it's not exactly like a, a scientist going to work here. So, yeah, Mariota at least we think could. Quickly uh, on Mettenberger. Wes, you don't you think he's a total statue. And my comparison for him is Kerry Collins. Yeah, uh, late career Kerry Collins. Maybe a, a little younger Kerry Collins or uh, early career Bledsoe. I, I disagree. I think there was some pocket movement. You know, there was potential. He he did make those little slides to open up a, a few extra seconds, but he didn't throw anything out of the pocket. He is a 1990s, you know, Mark Wilson for the Raiders or, or whatever, 1980s guy on Tecmo Bowl that just kind of drops back and just throws it as hard as he can. I mean, yeah. a lot of coaches, if you have that, they want that over you can run around all over the place, but you can't operate from the pocket. Coaches told Greg Cosell after Greg Cosell said he would draft Zach Mettenberger over Jameis Winston. He said he heard from many NFL guys in the coaching community who agreed with him. I thought Mettenberger showed a lot. I'm, surpri- I'm really surprised you don't like him at all, Wes, because a lot of the things that went against him I didn't think was his fault. And like Bortles, he had a lot of flashy plays that were really impressive. Well, I mean, we've we've gone over this ground before. But it's all not on the podcast we haven't. Sure we have. I've gotten messages from Titans fans telling me to quit picking on Zach oh, Mettenberger. Poor guy. I mean, I don't like that he's got one of the the highest failed drive percentages in NFL history. He never won a game in six starts. They weren't really competitive. He didn't move the offense consistently, which bothers me more than it bothers some people. I can't stand watching quarterbacks a lot. three or four quarters without moving the offense. Uh, he's he's injury prone. Finished the last two years on the That's sidelines, and he's a statue. I believe he's a statue. You believe he has some movement. I think he's a late career, Kerry Collins. He can't escape pressure. <laughs> he's got a long windup that's going to get him in trouble, I think. I, and I think he's inaccurate. So it's, I don't see – he's got a big I arm. Don't, I don't think he's inaccurate at all. I do. He's aggressive. He can He can deliver while under pressure, which is a skill in the NFL. I don't think he's inaccurate. And – I do think there was just something to him that I, I know this is insane, but if there was a category for pretty passes that were dropped, Mettenberger would be leading the league. There were, there were a lot of 35-yard ropes down the sidelines over an outstretched hand that, that went off a Titans you know, hand. I can't believe the West hasn't used what is maybe the best 
bit of artillery against Mettenberger is that you've already seen him in an offense with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Mm, that's fair. What more is he going to get in Tennessee? That's a good point. He's a great scientific uh, experiment. Can you win in 2015 being a statue? And can you win with that haircut that he's got? All right, let's move to the, t- the tight ends. I like his haircut. Uh, you've got who? Mark well, Sessler on the top of your list. The di- the little bit of the difference here is because we're coming off a wide receiver class, which is maybe the best ever, most exciting in decades. And the tight end class, I thought in general, compared to some of the hype coming out of the draft, especially when the Detroit Lions go out and draft Eric Ebron 10th overall, the finish results were underwhelming, certainly statistically. Anyone that picked these guys up in fantasy thinking this is going to save me, it's a big late-season pickup. Well, it's not. Like These guys just did not pull it off. But what changed my mind a little bit about two of them, which was Eric Ebron and Austin Safarian Jenkins, was I think there's hope for these two. I really do, looking at them. I don't, I don't know what that projects to long-term, but I looked at the way they were drafted, which was Ebron, Safarian Jenkins, and Amaro, and I don't change that order. Because mm-hmm. part of this exercise, so how would you change it? For me, what I saw, I think Ebron is the most interesting player still among this group. And he's in it's, a good situation there. It's extremely rare for a tight end to come in as a rookie and meet expectations, much less exceed them. One of the hardest. Guys like Jimmy Graham, you know, all kinds of uh, – um, uh, I can't think of it, but there are a lot – Gronk only had 500 yards as a rookie. Tight yeah. end is so hard because you have to learn you have to learn how to block. You have to learn how to catch. It's just a lot's going on. Yeah, and it, it, one looking at kind of some stories about each of these guys too, and just hearing their own words that kind of they all owned up to the fact that they were lost for a big part of the <laughs> season, I, and that's probably not untrue of the quarterback situation too. But they're the only guy out there that's asked to be a pass catcher in some cases. And I saw, you know, especially with Ebron, like they used him in a way which was almost low risk for part of the season. He had a lot of work in the flats, and they'd ask him to kind of crack off a tackle, quickly turn and catch a pass for five yards. They used him in the same pattern over and over. Uh, But then he showed these flashes. I think when he got out of his head a little bit and he let his body take over, you start to see what's down the road. With him and Safarian Jenkins especially, I think I think that mm. in Tampa, Safarian Jenkins may make a big leap this year too because, number one, part of it is situation. They had issues with the quarterback, they, and they can't keep the quarterback on his feet. They had no offensive coordinator last season. You now go to Dirk Cotter, who has done a great job with tight ends in the past. He's got a full off season. I think he's going to have a – he may double his statistics, if not more. Yeah, he was really disappointing to me last year because I liked him in that draft. I thought he was going to be a big-time – Player. He's huge. Ebron, like, Ebron had a lot of drops, didn't he? He did. No, I mean, Ebron I struggled Ebron with drops. would make a yeah. boneheaded mistake every time I looked. I don't remember, though. I mean, that's just he what you remember like from watching the games on TV. He did. Seems like he wasn't really good at contested catches. Well, there was one. There were a couple times where he's bobbling the catch, and to me it just seemed that he's so up in his head that he couldn't just let the gifts that would have been present in college even the year before work because he's got the size and he's got the, a great burst. One thing about him is like he could he could quickly like get past the line, get into space, catch the ball, and he'd be five year five yards ahead in, in a flash, and, and he'd pick up that yardage. And that burst is what separates him from a guy like Richard Rodgers, who had a better statistical rookie. Sometimes the, yeah, the league, and a much better quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the NFL has to go the way of the players that are coming in. Uh, this is an ugly tight end class overall, at least to start. We'll see. Jason Morrow could get better, you think. Richard Rodgers definitely showed potential. Crockett Gilmore was a good 
you know, mid-round pick. But this upcoming tight end class is also supposed to be terrible. Yeah. Think about the quarterbacks of the last two years. Teddy Bridgewater is the only one that I'm really confident is going to be a, at least a mid-level starter. I think his floor is Alex Smith or Andy Dalton, and I think his ceiling is somewhere closer to Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers. But other than that, like we could have a couple straight years without really any big-time tight ends or quarterbacks. How does that happen? It's it's weird, especially at the tight end position, because you'd think we'd start to, by now, start to see more of these types coming up. But a lot of it has to do with what they're asked to do at the college level, I guess. I mean, some guys who made a lot of plays in college didn't even appear on this list. Rodgers was, you were thinking about early on being a little higher up for it. Well, he's the first guy I watched, and I got a little excited <laughs> about him. But then when I, that, the thing was, when I went and watched the others closer, you see the difference in their athleticism. I think that Rodgers really, really, he only had one drop out of 21 catchable balls. And to me, yes, he, had, he showed good hands. He had some good contested catches. Got better as the season went on. But that is, that's Aaron Rodgers putting the ball right where it needs to be. Mm. What about Jason Morrow was to play with Geno Smith and Michael Vick? That had, you have to factor into that fact that Amaro was in a West Coast offense coming from Texas Tech. That's not a good fit out of the gate. Might be better with Shan Gailey. There was one game with Amaro where it looked like the light was finally flashing. It on. was the was Broncos, it the Broncos game. Broncos game where yep. he had 10 catches. Yep. And he made a few plays. He did. He made and plays he, downfield, too, versus just four yards upfield. And then he went back to mistakes after that. Yeah, he did. I just think that was not a good fit. He he also is someone that he, he the the athleticism drop off between the first two and Amaro was for me really? very noticeable. Mm. I love it. Uh, I love getting a little Crockett Gilmore into the show. Jason Morrow, you had Gilmore fifth. That's your tight end rankings. Those are going to be dropping over the weekend, really Friday into Saturday. You guys can check it out next week. NFL.com/slash around the NFL. This is a nice little football nerdy show. I mean, we're diving into the deep, you know, seas of Jarvis Landry and Richard Rodgers, and now we're going to welcome in one of the nerdiest guys at the entire (laughs) NFL media news group, Daniel Jeremiah. This is a segment. Mark, you weren't here for it, just to warn the list. I mentioned why, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just telling them again, you know. Dan is here for it. People that love the Sessler, you can probably turn it off right now. That's a big segment of our female population. They just like listening to Mark. and That's news to me. Just staring (laughs) up at the ceiling. Uh, All right, let's bring in Daniel Jeremiah. Let's talk a little bit about the draft. We taped this segment on Wednesday with Dan Hansis in the mix, so I'll, uh, I'll send it over to Dan now. All right, here we go. Our guest in the studio right now, Woo! former scout for the Eagles, Browns, and Ravens. Former quarterback at Appalachian State. Appalachian. That's fine. Okay, that's cool. He's now an anchor of our draft coverage here at NFL Network. Uh, You can see my path to the draft. Check out his latest mocks on NFL.com. He also has a uh, podcast, Move the Sticks podcast, available for download right now. Daniel Jeremiah, <laughs> welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. I'm not imagining that, right? Was he just kind of skipped over that? Is, a little is, this what, lower? Is, this what, is this what normally happens around here? <laughs> he kind of he murmured that. TD always talks about the same team, right? We're all, you know. He does talk All about rolling that. in the same direction, except for Hansus. This has to be. <laughs> I was going to say, this has to be. And I'm very happy to have DJ in the studio. This is exciting. Probably a tough moment for TD. He was looking at... All his children behind the glass. He doesn't know. You know, every, every parent really has a favorite. They never want to say it. But so, we I mean, know I, who the favorite I, I is I in this case. I probably say it. Coach's yeah. show, man. Oh, give me a break. Show, yeah, it's like the one See, time he coaches. had to choose between Billick and Mariucci. Which, you know, scintillating analysis did he have to go with? DJ, did you know that um, Brian Billick does the coach's show, uh, show with a ball and chain attached to him? <laughs> Keep him in the studio? <laughs> True story. All right, anyway, DJ's here. How exciting. 
the draft is upon us. Uh, it's very close now. You'll be heading to Chicago when? Damn. Monday, Tuesday? TD. Oh. Next question. Oh. Wow. wow. So we're going there. Hate, 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 hate. I'm beginning to think like I'm going to have a conversation yeah. with Greg. Hey, Greg, hey, you're hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 Just a little peek behind the curtain. There was some, you know, consternation. DJ is tougher to book than the president at this time of year. You just even get 10 minutes. Well, I feel by, like that. By the end of this one, it's just going to be me and <laughs> no, you. No, no. I'm just saying that didn't help the hands. Kansas is on the blacklist. He's already there. Greg's <laughs> trying to work his No, I don't want to be there. I'm just saying that didn't help some of the hands. DJ beef. But let's talk a little football. What do we got? What do we got? At least. All right, I'm looking at your mock. Nice recovery. I'm looking at your top 50 players overall. Ton you of have a lot of papers up. By yeah, the way. I decided to print them out. Why not? I, not I, very I, environmentally. I keep. <laughs> I keep hearing all the good edge rushers. They make the, computers in now. this class. Give me a break, <laughs> okay, DJ. I like. I like looking at the paper. Okay, go for it. All these edge rushers in this class. Yeah. It's almost hard to keep each one of them straight. Who is your favorite edge rusher, and kind of what what separates? the top guys for you between like Fowler and Shane Ray, you know, yeah, everyone Beasley. at the top. Yeah. You got a bunch of them. There's a whole host of them. Look, in terms of just pure talent, you know, I, my initial list that I came out with had Randy Gregory at the very top. And I still believe he's the most talented edge rusher in the draft. When you're putting together your own personal big board, I, I envision, okay, if I'm running a team, this is, you know, how I would stack my players. And I ended up moving Gregory down because there's significant off field risk involved with him. So to me, I look at Dante Fowler, you want somebody that's twitched up, that's athletic, that can bend, can do all the everything you wanted to see. He does it. At Florida, they asked him to drop a lot. So the numbers aren't, aren't as great in the sack production. It's okay. It's not terrible. But great kid, plays hard, explosive, all that stuff, checks the box. So to me, he's the top guy. And and then after that, I look at Shane Ray from Missouri. And some people, we talk to scouts, some of them are down on him because he's got a real skinny lower half. He doesn't have kind of that ideal body. Um, and he's not – a real, real fluid athlete. Mm. But what he does is he's got a lot of shock in his hips. He's got a lot of shock in his hands. That's what you want, shock in the hips. You want to be able to roll your hips. I like you that kind of You want to be able to roll your hips. You want to, and so he can do that. Great. I like this kind of party. I'm just saying, shock like in the hips. Kind of you know what? Actually, while you're talking, you're giving out all these scout terms. Yeah, you know, I hear twitchy. And oh, yeah. uh, he's a twitch. If he's twitched a quick, up. Quick, I always say twitched quick up. twitch athlete. What yeah. is that? What does that even mean? What you <laughs> just said is one of the most <laughs> insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. <laughs> it just it means just it's another word for explosive. Okay. And, and you know, people talk about uh, Odell Beckham. Quits, it's not quick yeah, twitch. Yes, it's not just you know a, a forty. That's not being quick twitch. I mean, quick twitch just means boom right away. Like you get off the line, uh, you're sudden. That's another okay. word that we would use there. Okay. So that's kind of the definition. I remember when Adam Archuleta was a quick twitch athlete. Ooh, that's been many moons ago. <laughs> what's the Good hottest? Long. What's the hottest buzz adjective in the game right now? Hottest buzz <laughs> adjective. It's good Ooh. to see he's answering the question. Um, yeah, look, come on, we we we'll work past it. Or professionals, yeah. It's it's sushi day today. Do you eat sushi? Not not here, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bad experience about. Did you really? Yeah. I, I used to have a rule for real that if I can't see water, I'm not eating sushi. But I've been lucky the last few times, so yeah. I've kind of broken my own rule. I, I like our sushi here. Um, but the buzzword in scouting, gosh. Um, quick twitch is up there. Quick twitch is way up there. Um, Twitched up. I like that. Heavy-legged waistbender. Yeah, we talk. We always talk about guys having FBI, which is football intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I like that one. Are you writing that one down? FBI. FBI. I'm going to start then, using that in everyday then, life. Uh, and then let me see what else we got here. 
Is uh, verticality verticality used in the NFL? Take, you know, you take another pass at it. Okay, verticality. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not anything. That's not you. It's no. like more of an NBA center thing. Yeah, no, no. That's Jay Billy. If, if any come up over the course Clark of the Gale, conversation, Clark Kello, yeah. you will. Uh, yeah. Hey, I have, I have another question. And if two in a row, this could I might get another. COD, by the way, is a good one. Dead on arrival. C C O D. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cash on delivery. No, Change of direction. Oh, that's right. good. I like that one too. Twitch right. up athletes are good at changing. Directions. I'm looking at you have scout potential. I'm looking at Daniel's latest um, two round mock draft, which you can find at NFL.com. By the way, the only person in the building that refers to me by my full first Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Dan. Well, gonna Daniel, like the El- you like, gonna be Elton John song? You gonna bake me some cookies too, Grandma? Wow, <laughs> 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 oh, Daniels could talk together. Come on, bro. All right. Um, that song, by the way, that Elton John song as a kid. And it looks like that. Yeah, I, my, my grandmother used to. No, she didn't. There was an old. You see the taillights heading for Spain. Danny yeah. boy, Danny boy. Well, yeah, I got oh, that. The Irish song. My, my Irish grandmother heritage. used to play that on the, uh, on the piano. So we um, share. We, we share. It's true. But I don't know if you've ever listened to the lyrics of oh, yeah. uh, Daniel's Flying Tonight on a Plane. Yes. Uh, when you get a little <laughs> older, you start to try to piece together what the song's actually about. I spent many an hour trying to piece that song together. Um, you have Amari Cooper at number nine to the Giants, and uh, that jumps out to me. You're what? literally, you're literally scratching your head. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> literally, <is. laughs> he's, he's talking about my mock draft while he's scratching his head. Very subtle, it's very true. subtle there, Zeus. So Chris Wessling is actually literally in love with Odell Beckham yep. with good reason. Victor Cruz, a stud before the knee injury. Is this a DJ's way of saying perhaps the Giants are already starting to look beyond Victor Cruz, or no, they I just can't I, pass? I, on look, the guy I don't know. Good. Let's see what happens with Victor Cruz's health, but he's going to play in the slot. That's not going to mess with what you would have on the outside with Cooper and with Odell Beckham. It would mean, you know, obviously our guy from LSU, Ruben Randall. Ruben Randall, thank you. Wouldn't be great for Ruben. Ruben wouldn't love that pick. But you know, look, there's you talk to different people around the league, and there is some school of thought where it. I mean, look, we had the two physical teams in the Super Bowl. I get it. So it's been easy for us all to say, okay, it's about running the football. It's about, you know, being physical. But there's a lot of people when you talk to them around the league that feel like the way the rules have changed, the way the game's changed, screw it. Don't, we're just going to try and outscore everybody we play against. Mm. And so there's some thought there. You look at the Giants, and, man, that you, you look at that matchup situation you'd have with those guys on the field at the same time. Wow. Well, it's interesting. You don't have any receivers going in the top eight. You have four pass rushers. Uh, a couple defensive linemen and, and then two quarterbacks. Well, the, the Raiders, I think, would take a wide out if Leonard Williams wasn't there. But in this situation, with everything I'm hearing and talking to people, saying, mm. okay, Mariota's going to go two. It might not be Tennessee, but somebody's going to take him with a second pick. So you think if Tennessee stays there, they would down. take two? Uh, that's I, I, everything. Everybody that I've talked to just said he's going to go second. And people mm. that I really, really trust and – so there's there's either Tennessee or some other suitors. I, I lean tend to lean towards them making a trade and somebody else coming in there. Um, but so you take the two quarterbacks off the board, then you're at number three. I think Jacksonville. Leonard Williams is a great player, but you, you re-signed Tyson Alualo. You've got uh, you signed uh, the guy from Miami. What's his name from Penn State? Jared Odrick. You've got Sanderic Marks, who I think is one of the best interior pass rushers in the mm-hmm. NFL. So they Leonard Williams for them is not as big a need. They need an edge rusher. So that's why I think that just drops Leonard Williams right into the lap of the Oakland Raiders. Your number one player, which surprised yeah. me. What do you? How do you answer the people that say Leonard Williams like very toolsy? You know, he looks like the guy that you can project to being a great player, but his tape really isn't that impressive. Maybe a maybe a two down player, not a no, pass that's, rusher. That's that's crap. That's uh, crap. Yeah, no, he's because he's your number one player. Yeah, no. So he, it's, 
Tell us why. Go, well, go back and watch him last year, first of all, when he's fully healthy. He got a high ankle sprain. Like what? One of the criticisms he gets is against Stanford, which to me is this is why fly-by scouting is so dangerous when you don't have all the information. That's a good scouting term, fly-by scouting. There you like that one? Yeah, that's my favorite. Dan wrote that one. All these draft nicks. You're not scratching scratching your head anymore over there, are you? These terms flying around. That was a home run. Um, He's got HR speed, by the way. FBS. Uh, Home run? Uh, There you go. Uh, no, but I mean, look, where are we, where are we talking Leonard about? Williams. Leonard Williams. Why, why Last year. So, so this year, a lot of people have talked about, oh, the Stanford game, you know, that's an NFL type offensive line. He didn't do it. The guy had a high ankle sprain that week in practice. He's not supposed to play in the game. He comes out for warmups for like five minutes. They take him off the field, which I assume he probably goes and gets a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up coming out with a heavily wrapped ankle. He plays guts through it. USC upset Stanford. He played solid. He had a couple disruptive plays, but he's not going to look, to use the word, ultra twitched up when he just had a high ankle sprain on Tuesday of game week. And so, so many people are like, I watched him against Stan. I'm like, he wasn't even healthy in that game. Go watch him when he's healthy last year and watch what he did this year. He never comes off the field. I just, look, I see a guy with length, with strength. He's got quickness. What they ask him to do in that defense is a three-man front. They're asking him to sit there and anchor down. He'd do that all day long. He'll press mm. off blocks. So who's he like for people like us who don't know much about Look, it? Look, I've said it. I know Mayock said it before. I've used the Richard Seymour comp. And mm. to me, it's because he has that versatility to move him around. And body type-wise, they're similar. They're kind of got like a – they're long. They, they're smooth-muscled guys. They're not just, you know – there's different types. They're Can slop- he pick people sloppy. up and throw them? That's what Seymour could do his first few years oh, he in does the league, it. which was crazy. He does. Not like Danny Shelton. If you want to watch somebody throw people, watch Danny Shelton at Washington. Watch him mm. against Stanford where he literally forklifts dudes. <laughs> I like that. On the ground. He's a power <laughs> Literally, player. like he drove a forklift onto the yeah. field yeah. and took him out. <laughs> I like him that. Up, lifted him up and dumped him. What's going on now that you're you're rising – by the way, can I give you my favorite, Dan, my, my favorite, yes. you talk about scouting terms. Yes, sir. We had an old scout, and I've told this on, on my podcast, which is the Move the Sticks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to edit out in post, isn't it? Dan's going to physically. No, we're going to we're gonna beep out. it. We're going to destroy the master file. <laughs> um, so we had an old scout. His name was Ron Marsnack with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And when uh, he was talking about a player one day, I literally lost it in the draft room because he's reading his report. So he literally wrote this in the computer, and he said uh, – this player, uh, you know, is never not not any production. He leads the league in high fives and butt slaps because that's <laughs> he gets there just in time to high five a teammate or pat him on the butt for making the play. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote in his report. I was like, okay. My favorite scouting term ever was about a baseball slash football player, Adam Dunn. Yeah. Uh, you know, Reds baseball scout who signed him. I think his name was Julian Mock. Wrote <laughs> and it wrote on the scouting report, so big he hunts bear with a switch. <laughs> <laughs> Talk I didn't about know that. Adam Dunn played a little football. Topical. Um, You're a couple months late on that one, Wes. You are. You are. Your profile is rising by the year as like a draft nick. Let's face it. You're becoming a known quantity in the industry. Not a big fan of that word. No. Uh, right. No, because you like draft expert, draft analyst. Anal- draft nick implies like a basement, and you know you don't shave. <laughs> plus, plus you give us the NFL analysis. I don't like the draft people that that's yeah. just all draft DJ, all the time. I want a little NFL analysis. That's here. true, Greg. Well, now, here, here's here's an interesting point on that because that is true, and I always we always cross checked. Don't not every team does this. Some teams you're a college scout, so you just watch college players. That's it. You don't have to do with any of the NFL stuff. Um, but Ozzy did it, and, uh, and and Phil Savage did it as well. Coming from that school, was in the training camp. We would go out and watch different pro teams. We'd have players we're responsible for. We'd be ready for cut down day, which was nice because you, you, you many hands make light work in order to look at all the different players. But 
it was always helpful for me to go back and see guys in the NFL that you had scouted to really say, okay, who's doing well? Mm. Guys I hit on, guys I missed on, kind of self-evaluate. And then you realize what's playing, and you look at who's starting. Like, to me, offensive linemen for young scouts is hard because you have it in your mind. you got to be this long, athletic, and, you know, these Jonathan Ogden who we had in both. Like, those guys are so rare. Just give me a guy. If you look at the, who's playing in the NFL at the offensive line, you're smart, you're tough, and you can anchor. If you can do those three things, you can play. Hmm. So we thought, oh, he's not a bad athlete, or he's on the ground here, or there. Like, look around the NFL. Look what's playing at right tackle in this league. Those guys are going to play. Do you think there's too many guys in your business that, you know, once these guys get drafted, they don't check back in on them, and that could lead to? I don't know. I can't. I think. I think it's very helpful to do it. It puts me behind, you know, with the draft process because you do the NFL stuff during the fall and then all of a sudden boom we got to change gears and really get rolling on the draft. I've got a question that will test your micro draft knowledge and your macro Ooh. NFL knowledge. Ooh, wow. Bubba. Oh boy. Todd Gurley. DJ's yeah. looking there at the door. There is now I know you you probably love the word buzz. <laughs> There's now buzz that he could go in the top 10. Yeah. On a macro level is this devaluation of running backs overrated? If you're a three-down power back, you're still going to get money and you're still going to be valued highly? I think so. Macro, micro, devaluation, money. I feel like this is an econ class. What's going on here? Don't no. act like you're not just watching a replay of an EPL game. Well, <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay plugged in here. Yeah. No, you're doing uh, good. No, look, to me, these are two of the best backs we've seen come out in quite some time when you look at mm. Gordon and Gurley. I was surprised uh, you had them so close together. Yeah, I, I think I think Gordon's a really, really good player. And – you know, while I was waiting to get medical back on Gurley, I'm sitting here saying, I know Gordon's healthy. So for the first part of it, I had him one spot over Gurley. And then now the medicals come back pretty clean on Gurley. So like, okay, I think I'd rather roll with Todd. But both those guys are big-time guys. And I think we get carried away with a positional thing, and it just kind of comes in waves. And we just haven't had those those backs roll through. And I think this year that will put a stop to that. I think we'll see both those guys go round one. How about LT saying on our airwaves that Todd Gurley is the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson? I think a lot that? of people believe that. Hmm. I think you pull people around the NFL. They feel I get that scared way. when I hear that because exactly what everyone said about Trent Richardson. Exactly. Yeah. Out. No. And look, Trent. I didn't have to do Trent when he came out. I don't remember. Uh, I guess I was in Philly. I think I was in Philly that year, but he wasn't. I didn't have to. It's convenient him. for you now. No. Well, I did Jamarcus Russell. If you want to go down that <laughs> another discussion. Um, but uh, no. But yeah. I mean, the way everybody talked about him. But there's something there. I mean, I don't think this is just a football issue with Trent Richardson because he just looks so, so lethargic yeah. the way he plays. Sluggish. I'll, I'll leave that one alone. Um, all right. We should let DJ go get his sushi momentarily. Greg, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to no, add? You no, have so many papers in front of you. I'd imagine there's got to be another question in there. Greg wants like a private two-hour conversation <laughs> with DJ. Well, how about you got you have 10 receivers in your fi- top 50, I had, I think which I is had, outrageous. I think I had 10 in my top 50 last year, and you know what everybody said? That's crazy. There's no way there's mm. 10 receivers. And then I'm like, hmm, let's go back and look at those 10 receivers. Which ones of them didn't play well last year? Oh, zero. Mm. So you're saying they're this, this class this basically the right there. Fo- this is what college football has given us. And there's no cornerbacks. There's very few cornerbacks in your top 30. Yeah, it's not a great not a great group. You like players. Byron Jones, not just a freak yeah. athlete. Yeah, he's, no, he's a, he's really a good player. player. No, I think he's going to go. I think he's got a really good chance to go in the first round. If you had to take one of the kind of second-level wide receivers and running backs, maybe guys that won't go in the top 20, okay, so who are your this f- is favorites? Like, this is – one of my favorite players in the draft is David Cobb from Minnesota. Hmm. And I think he could go in the fourth round. Maybe he gets into the third round. But just he's – we talk about short area quickness, be able to make people miss in tight quarters, vision, all that stuff, really, really good. He's Dude. not gonna. He's not a 4-3 guy. He's not Twitched up? No, he's he's uh, he's quick. I wouldn't say he's, he's like – He's classic that. FBI COD. Yeah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Says the says the, the butt slapper and the high fiver over here. 
Um, no, look, I love David Cobb. Okay. From a receiver standpoint, Tyler Lockett from Kansas State, who's like a poor man's T.Y. Hilton, mm-hmm. but, which is not, which is a compliment. He is, he's a really, really good player. Well, those guys keep slipping in the draft, T.Y. Hilton, John Brown, those little yeah, guys little that can work out pretty well. And he, can, and he can help you in the return game. So it, I think he's going to be a good value. And just to finish my question that I started, uh, so you're, ra- you're rising up amongst draft analysts. Wait, he's waving his arm. He's – He's saying he's done. Come on. That's an <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> that was an SOS. No, 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 no. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you have to have like a burner phone at this point? Aren't there front office guys coming at you all the time, people showing up in trench coats, whispering things to you, handing $100 bills? What's going on? Next question, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You can read into he's, that. He has his own Drew Rosenhaus. All right. Ridiculous. That's it. You know I love you. I love you too, baby. Daniel Jeremiah, the Move the Sticks podcast, which really is its you know something on the rise. It's something you should check out if it's you haven't sh- already. <laughs> it's I it's enjoy a show it. you can listen to. If Thanks, you DJ. If you, if you choose, America allows you to listen to it, and also other nations around the world. Uh, DJ's podcast, Move the Sticks, you can download it. <laughs> Tune a roll for me, please. Uh, so, yeah, check that out, and uh, thank you, DJ. All right, that was a jovial time with Daniel Jeremiah. Learned a little bit about the draft. Hopefully you learned a little bit about the 2014 draft. Dan's going to be really mad because, once again, the show went really long when Hansis, the sheriff, was not around. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday, Daniel. He's a great friend to all. Just imagine if he answered the phone. Thank you, Dan, uh, for all that you do. And thanks to Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling. And TD, I'm Greg Rosenthal. We're going to be back next week with three big draft shows, including a draft preview. Go get my lunch on Monday. Go get my lunch, clown car. Looking forward to that. We'll tape that before Wes heads over to Chicago, so that'll drop on Monday. Until then, we'll see you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.